I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight as always is um should i call her my magneto in crime i don't know ren willux there she Yay! is <laughs> my mutant in crime i don't know um but uh tonight Crime. Why always the crime? Because crime is fun. I don't know. I, 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 I'm a naughty girl, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So tonight's episode is really special because I am very excited about our guest, um, who uh, is a great author. He's, he's like uh, got a ton of great work in his repertoire. But the two um, that we're really interested in to talking to him, uh, to him about tonight are The Road to Woodbury and The Rise of the Governor Novels. Um, Jay Bonansinga is here, and he's the co-author of those books alongside Robert Kirkman uh, and the Walking Dead series. They actually are right set in the middle of the Walking Dead universe, and you're so stoked to have him on. I'm very excited. I got a lot of great questions for him. I'm going to pry his brain open and poke around. Um, but before that, we have Week in Geek Stuff and two specific things I know I want to talk about. One, The Walking Dead that we just watched this weekend. And two, uh, Once Upon a Time, which has taken a very interesting turn. Um, but first, The Walking Dead. And uh, I absolutely loved the episode Prey. And Rin actually got to see it. Yay! Um, <laughs> But I, I, if you've read my lengthy review and recap on fangirlmag.com, you'll know I, I absolutely love this episode. And I really liked about it, and Rin, you can jump in here. I really liked the fact that it focused on specific people and did not hop back and forth. like Much like the one Clear, where we had specifically Michonne, Carl, Rick, and Morgan. This was basically... This was really Andrea and the governor, mm-hmm. but there was, uh, you know, it was very focused on what well, was going and, on. And and even though they weren't featured very heavily, it was the scenes they were Ty- in were very pivotal. Tyrese, Tyrese, and- Sasha, and, and yeah. Milton, and Milton, and Milton. Oh. Yes, Milton grows a backbone. Oh, it's it- a tiny little backbone, but there it is. But there it is, in that defiant little stare behind his glasses. I Sadly, I don't think things are going to go very well for Milton, specifically because um, Dallas, um, Dallas Howard, I believe is his name, uh, he uh, actually 
got picked up as a lead in a new TV series. I'm not surprised. That guy's fantastic. He's awesome. And he's actually playing a psychopath in a movie that, um, a serial killer that's uh, been just, I can't think of the name of it for the life of me, but he's not Milton-y. I tell you that much in that one. Um, but he's uh, he's a great actor. I love his work. And uh, it's great to see him. You, you don't realize just how much hut chutzpah, I guess is the word, that chutzpah. it took chutzpah, that it took for him <laughs> to like stand up to the governor and make that little snarky, I hope you do, you know, kind of line of who, who did this. I think so, I figured it out. But there was so many layers to it, though, still, because he, I think he's always known that the moment he ever stood up to the governor, he's going to die. It would, be, it would be a personal victory, but it would be the end of him. And right. he knows that. Well, and I like that we found out in this episode, too, that those two have a history that predates the the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that probably is even more of a, a big deal than we know, because the, the probably part of the reason the governor hasn't, you know, he's going to, Milton may have a safety net there, because I don't know how far, the governor's pretty far gone, but that piece of his prehistory might be enough to keep Milton around. Mm-hmm. But I still think that I'm right. I think it's going to be Milton that offs him. I, I I think that may be how this goes down. I I, I truly do. Um, but I have Dallas, to say Dallas one thing. Dallas Roberts, by the way, Dallas Roberts. Da- Dallas Roberts. I I'm getting him confused with Ron Howard's kid. Um, Dallas who's Roberts a is girl. Who's a girl? Um, <laughs> good actress though. Uh, but. Uh, the 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 thing that I, I I don't think anybody else has picked up on. I pointed this out to you on on uh, on Facebook, and I I tried to point it out in the article on our our site is the fact that he's actually testing the acoustics in the torture chamber. Why he that's why he's whistling. And if you didn't notice, he had a a cassette recorder because mm-hmm. he's wanting to test it to see how well the screams are going to record. Oh God! Uh. And 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 that's what he's doing there. And you see the little smile on his face as he sets it down in his nice little laid-out tools of the trade. Someone even said it looked like there was a speculum in there, which just makes me really. Cringe. <laughs> I'm like, I have to go back and like rewind and pause to look at all the little cr- horrible things that he's got planned. Um, but. Man, David Morrissey, you own my soul with your craziness. Um, he just, the crazy was so great. And on The Talking Dead, not too long after, um, Lori Holden was saying that uh, during those scenes with the, the shovel and, and all of that, he didn't know when he was going to hit it on the ground. Mm. Or there was like, they did did it different each time because it kept the, the tension level uh, high, so I I was I loved hearing that because that that meant a lot of that was real and uh, just uh, I I the thing that and, and see I was right Andrea Andrea came around and Andrea is showing her her being a badass even though you know at the end of the episode she's t- gagged and tied up but and uh, probably going to not go things aren't going to go very well for Andrea um, but I. I love the fact that that badass from the comics is is there. Mm-hmm. And the scene with the walkers in the stairwell. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, my God. I love it. 
Yes. I was so happy with that shot because, like, they used to do that so much in season one where you turn a corner and there's, like, tons of zombies. I, I <laughs> love those reveals. Like, oh, I'm going to get out. I open a door. Ah, zombies. I freaking <laughs> love it. it was, I was happy they did that. Well, and I love that she, how she used it. I mean, that was, that was some cold shit. I'm sorry. That was some cold shit. It was like, yeah. And there was no hesitation either. I mean, she kind of stopped, and I think she was, like, kind of checking to see, is he going to He's gonna not make it? Yeah, he's not going to make it. I'm going to leave. Bye. <laughs> and she, uh, and she's so close. And then she ends up at the prison, and, and Rick's there, and Rick, um, you know, the thing that a lot of people were like, how did Rick not, why didn't Rick go and check, blah, blah. Why wasn't she screaming and yelling to Rick that she was there? Well, Those first of all. Questions. That's those are dumb questions. First of all, screaming and yelling for Rick would have pulled every zombie, zombie. in that every area towards her, which was mm-hmm. not what she wanted. And two, Rick has been seeing things on and off that aren't there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for one, he only just saw movement out of the corner of his eye. And then you really did. I mean, like he didn't have to say anything. You saw it on his face that moment of personal doubt going Yeah. That is probably me seeing crap again. And he double-checked. I mean, like, he, he looked. Mm-hmm. Right, but then and, you could just see his, his expression darkened of just, like, being disappointed in himself, going, like, is there something there, or is it just me, you know, being right. toxic? Right, and, and I don't that think... Was clear just in his face. Kudos to uh, and Lincoln. Lincoln. Lincoln is the man. He, he has. That's what's so great about this cast is that everybody has so many good layers, and I like that we get the tension between Tyrese and I believe his name's Alan, um, and the uh, the whole reveal about why Al. There is tension between these guys, even more so than the fact that his wife died, and Tyrese was the one that had to take her down because Alan could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that we find out that Tyrese came to the rescue and so then she always was sort of gravitating towards Tyrese as the, the strength in the group instead of her own husband. So right. that is a nice little level that's probably going to come into play later on. Um, but And uh, it's kind of cool. I don't know if you've ever seen the cover. I, I strongly suggest looking up the cover of issue 100, which has bad things that happen. And I cried reading the issue. But look at the cover of issue 100. It's one of the best covers I've ever seen on a comic book because it's it is basically every person that has died in the Walking Dead universe on the cover piled up in, in a pile of bodies. You can discern who they are, what they are. And on top of them standing there, looking back is Rick. And it's one of the coolest covers ever. And um, the governor is predominant on it, of course. But there's things that happen and and that, you you know, if you don't want to be spoiled. Because I don't know, the, the universe of the show is completely different from the universe of the comic, mm-hmm. first of all. I mean, there's definitely similarities, but there's things like Dale does not go out like he did in the show at all um but the the thing with in the walking dead and i don't know if they're gonna they can't do it the way it happened in the in the book but judith baby judith Mm. does not live And, and and it's kind of horrible on the cover of the comic how they convey her death one little arm sticking out of the pile 
And it's it's so it's so creepy and well done and subtle, but it, you know in the comic it's Lori's running with her. Lori gets shot. Lori falls on top of the baby and crushes it. Seriously, and that's how it oh happens. Oh my god, I don't it, think I can read this comic book. <laughs> it's hard stuff. I'm telling that's you, horrible. If you, it's it's really hard. And and part of the thing that um, I, I'm wanting to talk about the. This this massive showdown that happens with Woodbury and the and the prison is where all this stuff goes down, um, but uh, the character of Lily, who is the one that ac- that actually shoots Lori and causes the be- death of, of Baby Judith, is one of the primary characters in the Walking Dead Road to Woodbury book that uh, our guest wrote, and you learn more of the background of these characters that you don't know you you, you learn in the comic, but you get more of their history thanks to these novels. Um, but yeah, it's some hard, hardcore shit. Um, and like I said, issue 100 is probably, I I cried. I mean, I'm not the only one. I have friends that cried when they read what happened in that book. It's, it's one of the most brutal comic books, that specific issue you're ever going to read. And, uh, you've got to just steal yourself for it. And I'm not even talking about baby death. Baby's been dead a while before anyone 100 came about. This is just the death of a character that's, uh, I mean, just, it's, it's horrible to, to see. Um, but, but that's what Kirkman does. Kirkman is the Whedon in this world, and he's even more brutal than Whedon. And that's saying something. When he, when he makes a character go, and it's one of your favorites, he makes him go out hard. So, just say be prepared for bad things. <laughs> bad things. Wonderful um, bad things. Uh, horrible bad things. Um, but the uh, w- uh, since you you did get to see the episode, Ren, what sticks out in your mind from it? What 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 really nailed you with this episode? Um, I'm trying to think of a good thing and a bad thing. I don't know. I I I, I mean, I did appreciate the writing a lot more than I have the most of the most of rest of the season three so this is looking up and I'm also I'm still really excited about that I want to see more of Tyrese and his crew I mean I know they're not big players yet but I just feel like there's there's got to be a tipping point with them where they're either going to become part of the regular crew or part of the regular you know uh, p- uh, prison Crowd. And they do. And, well, if they follow anything like if they the follow comics, the book. Book. yeah, yeah, or you know, but it it won't happen easily, or at least I hope it doesn't happen easily. I feel like you could do something really outrageous with that transitional period with them. I well, mean, the, the only thing- the only thing regarding Andrea is like, I mean, all of those dumb questions that people were asking, like, why didn't she call out? Why didn't she say anything? Well, she didn't call out in the first place because duh, zombies, and also then later because the you know governor handover mouth, but um. <laughs> like note note to anybody who's ever on like uh running away from someplace to someplace else and when you finally get like nearly there don't just stop and satisfactorily look at the place you're trying to get like it's such a stupid cliche i mean it it makes for a great tension well, but, well, you but gotta, seriously don't just stand there well you, you got to give but you got to give her credit for stopping because she had to see where the zombies were no 
Yeah, but the thing is, he knows that they're congregating around that gate because they know food is there. That wasn't what she was doing. She was, she was smiling and looking up at the sun-drenched prison, you know, like she <laughs> and she was so pleased. And all I could think of was, you're a moron, keep running. Like everything, <laughs> happy, which means a bad thing's going to happen right now. So, yeah. I think it would have been ironic if Rick had shot her because that's what she did to Daryl. <laughs> but um, I, I do have to point out a, one thing, though, which is, sadly, we only have two episodes left of this season. Uh, so that means that after, in two weeks, we won't have any more Walking Dead. We will have to wait until October again for any more Walking Dead. So uh, enjoy it while we have it, kids, and be sure to pre-order that awesome season three dvd set that has the governor's aquarium as the showcase nice it's beautiful and awesome and i'm going to have it it will be mine um so moving on to uh uh to once upon a time because i wanted to talk about it i i i love what they've done with this because they have now made the evil queen basically the anti-hero hero of the show uh, they've actually done something with the character of Snow White that I didn't think they'd ever do, which is they made her kill someone. And uh, she, she didn't actually plunge a knife or anything, but it, it was her actions and her lying that caused a death. And now um, in the episode, it was great because the evil queen, who isn't really that evil, she's just been twisted by her mother, um, rips out Snow White's heart. And shows it to her. And she's laughing and she points and she's like, see that little dark spot right there? You've tainted yourself. And she grins and she looks at her and says, I don't have to do anything. You've already done it for me. And she plunges the heart back in her chest because that's how this works. And it's a really great effect. Um, but, you know, and Snow White actually came there begging her to kill her. Because she couldn't handle, she's never felt guilt like this before. And it's an amazing scene and uh, props to the actresses for that because it's really well done and it's a, uh, it's a great, great scene and, and a really t- good twist on a character uh, that you never would think that would happen to. Um, the rest of the episode was equally great. It's uh, they, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a neat episode to have. You like got we got to have the sheriff back that had been killed um, previously, like way back in, early uh or mid season one and uh it's setting everything up really um really interesting i i the season kind of dragged a little bit but it's ramping back up again um with the ending i think they only have a few more episodes left too so we're getting towards the end of that um but i really really enjoyed once upon a time again it's it's still fun um and uh so that's all I have to say about that. Rin, do you have anything for uh, Weekend Geek? Well, no. <laughs> oh, that's I fine. Have, <laughs> I have personal geekery. Um, oh, what's your personal geekery? I am probably going to buy an electric car. <gasps> which is that's, exciting. That's awesome. And I'm going to be driving around in a piece of the future, yo. So. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you did not just say that. I you did. did not just say piece of the future, yo. No, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I want to. I'll probably talk about it more on the show if I go ahead and go uh, actually do it. I'm still debating. We'll have, but, you'll have to uh, 
you will have to um, actually uh, do like a write-up about that process for the, the website. That would be great. Yeah, I will. I mean, I don't know anything about the culture of it. Like, I know there's kind of already some cliches about electric car owners and, you know, the, the culture of that. And I just, I can't really care less about what you think about a person who owns an electric car. All I really care about is... Uh, saving money. Saving money and um, saving some fossil fuels. I'd rather not burn those up as faster than we need to. And um, it has all the features that I want. It's got heated seats. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love you. The, the warm butt is so awesome. People, you, you, you guys that don't know, a warm booty in a car like that is like such, it's just like setting in butter or something. It's so awesome. Better than sitting in butter. <laughs> Better than sitting in butter. Yeah. Um, but before, um, before we move on, I, uh, that's awesome, by the way. I, I can't wait. I think they're so cute. But I, I and, and the thing is with electric cars now, they, they're like, their safety features are super, mm-hmm. and they really are. You think that they're so little that you'd be smashed in a million pieces, but they actually are really safe now. Yeah, they uh, have to do a lot of innovative stuff because the battery is so heavy. You know, if you wanted to get good gas mileage out of the thing, it's got to be lighter. So um, they have to think of really clever, you know, technology to make it just as safe and not add weight. Right, right, and yeah, it's I've seen the ads and it's kind of crazy. You. Um, what you do with how they like I think they had a car setting on top of one to show you how consistent <laughs> it is I'm not, getting, kind I'm of, not getting a smart car oh my god no <laughs> not a smart car I'm not that big a weirdo um, but uh, before we move on and, and bring on our guest for tonight I, I have to bring up what I'm going to be doing this weekend as, as the airing of this episode uh, again um, you guys if you there are still tickets available if you want to come out to Cincinnati um, this weekend is Horror Hound Weekend. We take over the Sharonville Convention Center. Um, as of tomorrow, it will start. And we still have a Billy. I mean, we've we've sold like a ton of tickets to this thing. It's it's going to be crazy packed. Um, but we still have same day tickets going to be available at the door. Um, but you need to get there early if you want to get them because they're going to go quick. I think well, people are. <laughs> I was thinking that your your uh, description of the title of this this um, weekend was very fitting. Like you really could apply this in more ways than just um, you know a, a funny name calling it uh, Horror Hound Weekend Thunderdome. Because really, if you wanted to, you could you make could. it Thunderdome and have people fight for the remaining tickets. You know, two men enter. One man one leaves man and leaves. go to Horror Hound Weekend. And, and people totally would. I, I, at this point, I think people are scalping tickets now. <laughs> and, there's, and this is so much more fun. You don't have to pay for anything. I know. I, I think we need to do. I think we need to, we nickname, we need to nickname this Thunderdome Weekend. Um, it, it's going to be crazy. We, we are going to have um, all the, these Walking Dead peeps in, in the house. Uh, you know, we're going to have Scott Wilson, Norman Reedus, Chandler Riggs, um, Sarah Wayne Callis, uh, John Bernthal, Michael Rooker, Greg Nicotero. And that's just the Walking Dead people. I mean, we're going to have... Could you, uh, get Ca- Could you get Reedus to ride on Rooker's shoulder shoulders and then call them master blaster (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what? Chandler Riggs would be better. <laughs> that would be hilarious. No, I, it, it's you have to meme that. You have to get the, get that on photograph <laughs> and bring on meme that. Um, but House of a Thousand Corpses, we're going to have um, Sid Haig, I believe, is joining us again. And we're going to have um, uh, Bill Mosley, uh, the entire cast of Holliston, including Dee Snyder. They're going to do a live script reading on Saturday, which is going to be amazing. Um, Robert Patrick, of course, is joining us. John Carpenter, Michael Madsen, Tony Todd, Lou Temple. Yay! Yay! Um, he kind the of is a combo. Of he, glory. The mustache of glory. He is. Um, Walter Phelan, Robert Mooks, Erwin Keyes, Jennifer Joston, Sergio Stavaletti, who is um, an amazing, um, uh, this repertory, he's got Demon, Cemetery Man, the Profane Exhibit, he's going to be there. Diane Franklin, Tom Savini, our boy Dan Robach. Then we're going to have, this is crazy, this keeps going. Um, we're going to have the subspecies reunion, which I'm actually um, moderating the panel for with Andrews Hope, Ted Nicolau, and Denise Duff. Um, Butch Patrick, Pat Priest, the three baddies of Christine. Christine herself, the car. Tawny Moyer, so all of you guys that didn't get your um, uh, Halloween 2 uh autographs from her when uh, she had to cancel at the last minute our uh, Jamie Lee Curtis show you have a chance now to get that finished um, Tamara Glenn who was in Halloween uh, 5 Freddy and Freddy's Nightmares Tim Desarn, who was in Demon Knight and Cabin in the Woods Dean Cundy who's this great cinematogra cinematographer who's worked on Halloween the Fog all this stuff with Carpenter um, just that's just I can't even list all these people. Um, on top of that, we've got that the amazing uh, Harley Poe, Stellar Corpses, the Coffin Cats, and Dead Dick Hammer um, are going to be performing. Um, the Big Bad's going to be performing. These are all concerts that you're going to have on Saturday night. I keep I didn't keep going. It, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, you got all this. You've got all the artists that we're going to have. You've got um, all the other performers like uh, Alex Hammer. Alex Hamilton, and the then we're going to have the burlesque clay mustache that's going to be performing on Friday night. So we got a burlesque show too. We're going to have a costume contest that's going to be out of this world, and uh, a costume ball and uh, zombie prom. On top of that, it, it's just ridiculous. And on top of all of this, when that convention stops, we're going to have night terror start at ten o'clock. So it's a whole other convention. All night tattooing, all night um, uh, vendor room. Uh, I think there's all night film festivals. And oh, on top of that, we're going to be showing Maniac with Elijah Wood. And at our regular film festival, which is going to be ridiculous too. We might have some casualties at this show. This just sounds like too much. It, it's We have actually, I, I have no qualms in saying this. Horrorhound Weekend this year, March this weekend, is the Comic-Con of horror conventions. Sounds, this sounds pretty epic. And I rarely it, use that word anymore. So, yeah. We're, yeah, it, it is, in fact, the, the Comic-Con of horror weekends. I, I truly can uh, say that with no, no type of uh, ego. It really is. I mean, we... I, there's so much stuff going on. I have to pick what I'm going to be doing if I have mm -hmm. even time to do anything. 
Uh, so the Holliston thing that was ridiculous, that's so great. I love Adam Green, Adam Effing Green, and Otis Ungaris, Dee Snyder, uh, Joe Lynch, uh, the girls, everybody's going to be there. They're going to do an, a live Q&A and stage reading, script reading on stage. It's going to be amazing. So if you have any ability at all to get to Cincinnati, Ohio this weekend, go to the Sharonville Convention Center and join us. Join us for our <laughs> hound weekend. It is going to be off the chain. And our boys at Fearnet.com. Fearnet.com is also one of our sponsors and it is amazing. Um, but yes, and just speaking of amazing, I have to give a shout out to my boys in Springfield, Oregon at Chaos Koloskis. This is your shout out, boys. Best Koloskis in town, and um, they are delicious. So I just had to give a shout out to them because they are awesome people. You do have to go to Spring Tucky to get them. You do have to go to Springfield, Kentucky. Yeah, Springfield. It's actually Springfield, Oregon. You can call it Spring Tucky if you want. Locals do. But, um, yeah, you need to check them out um, if you are in the Springfield, Eugene area. Uh, So... With that, let's bring on our special guest of the night, and hopefully I'll get his name right and I don't butcher it. Um, so Amanda, if you want to go see if he is on. All right, everybody. So with us tonight, and watch me not get it right this time, uh, is our <laughs> special guest for the night, Mr. Jay Bonansinga, who is uh, the author of The Road to Woodbury and The Rise of the Governor, Not in That Order. And uh, Wow, well- you, you said that name perfectly. That I have to, <laughs> my hat's off to you. Take that names. Um, <laughs> so, so Robert, um, Robert Kirkman cannot pronounce it that well. Ah, yes. Uh, okay, I've outdone Robert Kirkman on something, and that's all I need in my life. Um, but uh, we are very happy to have him on tonight. He's a prolific author. He's got a ton of great stuff. He's a Ray Bradbury uh, fan, and and we love him for that too. But You've created, uh, you've done something with uh, a comic book series that you've, you've translated into original works, translated from the comic book world into novelization. And that's one big thing I wanted to ask you about tonight is how was it, how is it getting into the, a, a novelization that is not a graphic novel of a comic book inspired work? How does that the differences and how it was the challenge there of, of conveying that world without the pictures? Yeah, it, uh, it's a good question because it, it was a challenge and it was a little different from uh, your standard novelization, which usually is, um, you know, someone, uh, you know, gives you a screenplay or, you know, it's a tie-in to a movie or a video game or something and you just essentially turn it into prose um, and this was a, an amazing sort of combination prequel and backstory and exploration of the mythology that was that had begun in a comic book, but had just blown up into this pop culture juggernaut. And um, you know, when I first started working with Robert Robert Kirkman, the creator of the the comic book, of course, um, The Walking Dead, and then the TV show. Um, you know, he, he, I said, are you going to send me a screenplay? And 
He goes, oh, no, 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 that's that's not what we're doing. <laughs> and I said, really? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be like, you know, totally a world unto itself. Uh, and, you know, the novels are going to stand alone. And I was so stoked. Um, but I did, but I, you know, to answer your question, I did uh, look at the, you know, think about comic books and uh, try to absorb you know, the comic book gestalt and, and ended up, uh, selling everybody in, you know, making these books in, uh, in, written in present tense and kind of in your face, very visual, very visceral, um, you know, no pun intended for a zombie <laughs> book, but, um, but, you know, very here and now sort of like, you know, show in, instead of tell. And, well, and because I was, I was just trying, you know, I was trying to adopt the comic book trip, you know, well, in, in thing, prose. One thing I wanted, uh, the, this is what I was saying with this, the second question that I had for you kind of leading into this is you, in the book that you have to rely, they rely uh, on the graphic novels. It's very much, you know, there's a visual, they're almost sparse with the dialogue sometimes because the visuals yeah. are so strong and you can almost smell the death. Now, what I, I'm I'm just in awe of. of I love the um, rise of the governor, and I love the road to Woodbury. And part of the Thank reason you. I like them so much, and good on you, is the <laughs> description makes you. It's almost like surround sound in in your senses because you have a knack for describing smells that. <laughs> And, 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 and it just sounds so funny, but it's not. It, it's it, that because it's such a, 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 it's just disgusting and disturbing in the books. And, and they're very, they're very uh, visual in how you describe them. But at the same time, the sense of, yeah, I almost want to gag as I'm reading the description. Um, how do you research that? Where do you get that from as a writer? Because I'm, I'm a wannabe fiction writer and and my god dude you do it right i mean the, 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 <laughs> thank you how how That's do a you huge compliment i mean because <laughs> you know it's a, it's a huge compliment because you know fiction writing um i mean i even know somebody who, who came up with a you know a way to talk about this is um david morell um who wrote first blood who became rambo and he, he's a great writing teacher as well as a novelist and he he talks about triangulating the senses whenever possible in fiction writing, which is and I may maybe veering off into like grad school y stuff here, but just no, let's please, just go please. go with me. Go with me. <laughs> <laughs> Do um, it. <laughs> but <laughs> be, be, uh, but you know, um everything you were you just said, you know, leading up to your question is is really astute because um, you know, the reason that I think books will hang around for um, forever and ever, you know, they'll always be, no matter how, you know, crazy technology gets and, and how advanced our, our digital um, world that we live in gets, you know, traditional books will always uh, hang around or at least prose, you know, because your mind does more of the work and, um, Triangulating the senses is where you you have a character uh, you know walk into a room that smells of zombie and and you 
you try to choose at least three senses whenever possible. The sound that they're hearing, the you know, the smell, um, the olfactory sense, and and you know what it looks like if possible. You know, and um, and so and also uh, you know just on top of all this. So, but I, I guess the point I'm making is I try to do that, especially in Walking Dead books, um, because this is where you know the mind, the the the, re, the mind of the reader starts doing most of the work for you. You know, it is when you can sort of bring them into the scene through sensory detail. And on on top of that, I'm a foodie. I love food. I mean, we were just joking <laughs> about dinner, you know. <laughs> so that's that's where I a lot of times I'll I'll extrapolate from what I know about food, and you know, you know culinary stuff, and what you know burned, you know, bacon or you know pork bellies smell like, you know, and and you know combine that with <laughs> you know. Right. You know, hu- human feces. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's... <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. And it was the road to Woodbury, um, you know, I, I even uh, convinced Robert to let me make, you know, Josh, and uh, you know, a chef. Yeah, just, yeah exactly. That would be fascinating. Yeah. And how they would work that into... Uh, how do you do that in the apocalypse? How do you make spices and things like that? Right. I, I, right. That was one of the things I, I was... Yeah. Yeah, well, I thought that would be very touching. I thought it would be kind of poignant and and kind of sad, you know, that the chef in the apocalypse was still figuring out a way to make a sweet dinner for his, his the woman that he loved, you know. And how would he do that? You know, how would he how would he make it romantic? I, always I just thought that would be really sweet. It's brilliant because cooking is cooking food. You know, is one of the earliest of man's skills in the first place you know so it's been right. with us for the longest period of time and then at the same time it's such it's such an essential aspect of 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 a satisfactory everyday life a nice meal yeah. it 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 uh it has such an overwhelming power to change your to change your mood so that's yeah, so I think true that's a, yeah that's choice yeah, and it's it's it really is uh, a device and and a tool, you know, when you're telling a you know post apocalyptic story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 I've seen it used by by other uh, writers, you know, far better than I, like you know Cormac McCarthy. Oh, yeah. um, food, you know, food in the apocalypse is is sort of you know that it's a trace of the former civilization. Mm-hmm. And and good life and and happiness, you know, to find that like can of peaches, yeah, and and you know, take it's the peach after being you know on the road for months and months and months and living off of you know bugs, mm-hmm. and and you know then having something delicious is is really useful to a storyteller. You know, it, it's it, it I really found it to be totally useful. And I, and I really tried to work that into it. And, and also that brings me to the, the um, real quick, as a quick sidebar, the brains thing. <laughs> yes, I, mean, I wanted no. to ask you about that. That's, that's... <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of digressing a little bit. But uh, 
it just it made me think of it. Um, <laughs> now, nobody loves organ meats more than I. I'm like a meat guy. I love meat. I love all <laughs> kinds of meat. I love this is going to turn into the most disturbing interview you've ever done. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't mind the phrase, I, mean, I love meat. I love, the phrase, <laughs> I love organ meat. Yeah. It's very specific. Oh, my God. I had the best. I, this past weekend, I had the greatest chicken liver I've ever had in my life. I mean, oh it was unbelievably good. I, you know, it was like. It was, it was almost like duck liver. It was so rich, and it was in a like a little pot, and you spread it on your toast. It was just amazing. But um, but <laughs> zombies. The sweet meats. <laughs> I'd love to know if you've had sweet meats and how you can. What would you? What would you? I love. I love sweet meats. Yeah, I, I have. I I do like them. I love them. Yeah, yeah. So if they're prepared right. Right. So having experienced that, do you think there'd be much of a flavor difference with, say, human sweet meats? <laughs> I knew this I think, was going to turn well, into disturbing this interview. No, I, I think human, human brains would taste probably delicious to a human because they say the closer the, you know, the DNA of the, you know, the, the, the food that you're eating to you, the Oftentimes, the more rich and delicious oh. it is to the person. Um, I've read that somewhere. Maybe it was Hannibal had, Lecter's memoir. But I've, actually, <laughs> I've actually had a brain. I'm not sure what animal it was. And at the time, I did not know what I was eating until after the fact. Oh, but I've actually right. had brain. And it's very spongy and... Uh, yeah, it's got a weird consistency. You're, yeah. you're right about that. And it looked like a, I, what the reason I ate it. I thought it was some stretched out curly fry. Uh, <laughs> and it was let it be known I was in Romania at the time and I was starving because they barely fed us on this trip we were on. And and I was like yum. And I didn't touch the liver because I can't do liver. But I was like oh my god something I can eat. Um, um, um. And and I was like I was like this isn't a fry. <laughs> and by then I'd already eaten half of it. I'm like, I need to eat something. I ate the rest of it. I'm like, what was that? And they're like, the only thing yeah. they said, the only thing they said was something from the animal. Oh. That was the only description. I'm like, I just ate brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Well, well it's, <laughs> the, it's the, you know, the brain. You know, like some cultures will eat. You know the brains, like they'll tree pan the skulls of monkeys, and they'll you know eat it like a like a soft boiled egg out of the skull of a Ugh. monkey. But, a um, <laughs> <laughs> but the brain, you know, organ meat, a lot of different organ meats. You know, they have the one minute or one hour rule, which is it's good if it's only cooked for one minute. Or if it's cooked for an hour or, or longer, but any any time between then, and it's just spongy or tough or you know bad. So either cook it quickly, like like a like a, you know um, you know squid or something. Squid is like that too. You know you yeah. if you cook it quickly for maybe a minute, it's delicious. Or if you slow braise it, you know in an oven for like an hour and a half. It's really good, but any any time between that and it's tough and rubbery and awful. Um, but the, but the whole thing about the zombies and brains is fascinatingly to me. It came from a single movie 
called The Return of the Living Dead, which was yep. written and directed by Dan O'Bannon, Dan one Bannon. of the great, you know, who just passed away recently, but, you know, rest in peace. I, I think was a, I was the last interview that he had. I think I was. Or pretty no kidding. That's yeah. so cool. And he was I, you know, he's a to he, talk to. Oh, he's, he was brilliant. He, he was a hero of mine. Yeah, and that was a great movie. That was a hilarious and fascinating film, Psycho Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> it was a brilliant movie. Well, and I, I liked I liked the thing that Isaac Marin did in Warm Bodies with that whole brain aspect too. Like he made it. Yeah, into, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was drug, good. You're right. The drug use. It was like a drug, and I thought that was right. really well too. But yeah, one thing yeah, I, yeah. I wanted I wanted to ask you about was. The governor in your books, um, you mm-hmm. you took a character that people absolutely hated. Like he was like he's considered one of the epitome of like I think he made the top five villains of all time comic books. Yeah, I think he, really he did. did indeed. Um, yeah, but you created a psyche and a background for him that made it almost he you made it understandable how he lost it to how he uh, became the way he was. How was that to build when you've got a character that is so hated um, and despised universally? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know what you mean. I, and when I first learned that that's where we were going to go on, on the first book of the trilogy that we're working on um, a couple of years ago, um, I was a little freaked out. I was like, oh my God, we're really going to get inside this guy who's like a rapist and, you know, just a human pig. I mean, because in the comic book, um, you know, he was more sort of arch and broadly, you know, uh, described. He was was more like a badass, yeah, Yeah. villain. And Robert, I think, wanted to give him layers in the book which maybe was part of a, I don't, I don't even know this for a fact. I'm just guessing being, you know, Robert's sort of house novelist, but I think he really kind of used the novels as sort of the stepping stone, um, for the governor version 2.0, like to get, make it more interesting and layered and more like the, uh, you know, an onion being peeled. And, and he was setting up version 3.0, which is ultimately the David Morrissey, governor in the in the series well and, and you know what who I is just to... a... go, oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead well what i was the, kind of a follow-up to this was when i got to interview morrissey the thing that he's because i i said you know you're not a nice man and he's like well that's a matter of opinion and and then he uh, <laughs> he, he he mentioned that the fact that your your book was his bible he didn't even read the comics he read your book wow uh, that's so cool give, to give him the background for the character and that kind of, and, it, and it's actually see, you can see it in the show because he's not, he's becoming, I mean, like this last episode, we just talked about it. Pray. He has lost it. He's went crazy. Cuckoo nuts. Um, but, right. But before that he had like, uh, you know, there was at least a little bit of humanity in him left. And that was when Penny was still semi alive or whatever you call that. But, um, Penny half right. alive, <laughs> but when he said that, it was kind of neat because he actually said, you know, I hadn't read any of the comics. I, I used the, the Rise of the Governor as my basis for this character. 
Well, I, I heard that. I, I have not met David yet, but I, I, I did hear that from several different insiders who I know and hang out with, and I, and I was delighted. And, and just this past, uh, not not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, uh, not this most recent episode, but the last episode where the, the governor and Rick Grimes kind of have the face-off where they sit down and they kind of do the De Niro, yeah. Pacino, you know, that was awesome. uh, meeting. It was <laughs> awesome. It was really oh, man. brilliant. Yeah. And, and at one point, um, uh, the governor starts talking about losing his wife. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, the, um, and the hospital, you know, calls him and says, Mr. Blake, you know, we have bad news. And, and he talks about how his wife died and everything. And I was... I was sitting um, with Jilly, my girlfriend, my fiance, and I just screamed because <laughs> that was that was right out of the book. It was yep. it was taken mm-hmm. it was taken almost you know whole cloth out of our book out of Robert my book, and it was it wasn't you know it wasn't something that was organic to the comic. It didn't come from any other medium but the book. We did. You know, we worked on that, and I and I <clears throat> I spent a lot of time on the death of his wife and what it meant to him, and oh yeah, <clears throat> you know, even his last name comes from the book, and that was the, that was that meeting between Grimes and the governor was the first time the book really started to subtly insinuate itself on the on the uh, the TV show itself, you know, and and, and that's what's so fascinating because it's it's. Robert's evil master plan, you know, is that all these mediums just slowly start to sort of from, from beginning as self-contained, you know, uh, stories and mythologies that just sort of comment on each other, but they're, but they all start to gradually converge. It's really cool how it, how it's happening. It's just totally exciting because I, I know that the you know I know a few things about the the, the third book in the trilogy, and one you know, one uh, thing that I oh I, go I ahead gonna, I was going to ask you if you could tell us the title. Well, the working title is the Fall of the Governor, but I I'm, I'm not I don't even I'm not really sure it's going to be called that. To be totally honest with you, I'm telling you that you know as of tonight, <laughs> as of right now. I'm not. I'm not sure it's going to be called that, but you know. Um, but it. But sort of the working title everybody's throwing around is the fall of the governor. Nice. Yeah, uh, and, but and I, that, I do know that uh, me, Sean, is going to be a major part of that book. And oh, I hope so. I'm, yeah, I, that, <laughs> I, that's. I think I have to confess that that's. I'm, I'm more excited about that than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I would love for her to have some background in that too because you know we found out we find out stuff about her in the comics but I would still love to know more about her her past yeah 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 me too I, I agree I think this this is an opportunity for Robert and me to really go deep you know into Michonne's backstory and and really kind of do her justice um, oh, in prose you know, I think people would really dig that. Oh, yeah. I can tell you for a fact they would. Um, and kind yeah. of speaking to that, have you ever been approached to write an episode of the show? 
Well, you know, <laughs> thank you for asking that. I get asked that occasionally, um, and I'm definitely going to um, move in that direction, but I can't do anything. <laughs> I can barely take my kids to school in the morning until I'm done with the third book. <laughs> I mean, I, I basically have time to, you know, take my kids to school, make their lunches, and, and be with my fiancé at night and sleep. And the, the rest of the time is working on this third book. <laughs> gotcha. But you, it sounds like you'd definitely be interested in doing it. And that's Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really want to do that. I come from a film background, like I'm a film school brat, and, you know, I'm, I'm a screenwriter, and I've done, been doing that for years, and it's just it'd be a really natural thing to do, you know. I'd, I'd love to, you know, work on the comic. I'd love to write an episode of the comic, you know. I mean, I love the whole universe, the whole mythology. I'm just obsessed with it. If so you, I was. If I was, you did get to, if you did get to write an episode of the show, who do you think? I mean, of the actors there, because the characters are one thing. We know the characters from the comic and and um, you know from your own novel. But since you're actually going to have live people, for you know, saying the words that you write, who do you? Who would you be most excited to see? Um, you know, to write for, I guess. Um, you know, which which cast member you would you like to write some interesting stuff for? Oh my God, what a great <laughs> question! It, it too that question is like it's a loaded question because they're, they're, <laughs> but because they're all so good. I mean, they are. because you know my brain is like you know percolating right now. It's like of, of course that you know the you know the Daryl and Merle brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to hear them. <clears throat> you know, put you know something I've written up on its legs because they're. I love those guys, but but then again, I love you know David Morrissey, and I'd love to hear the governor, you know, um, bring to life something I wrote. And the same with you know, but the yeah, but there's too many good characters to even <laughs> figure out who would be. I mean, you know, I think all these characters are just these actors are brilliant. I mean, half of them are like from the UK and Australia and, you know, they all sound like they grew up in, you know, Arkansas, you know, it's, they're They're great. Yeah. 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 They're amazing. I mean, I think Andrew Lincoln is a brilliant actor. I, I, you know, I, I just, you know, Scott Wilson, who's, you know, a veteran, you know, movie actor, you know, character actor. He's just amazing. I, you know, it's a great question, but it, it's almost like an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you ever get the chance um, on digital theater, you can watch David Morrissey do Macbeth. Oh, and, my God. I would love to see that. And it's beautiful. You can you can oh, watch, download it for free. It, it, download it um, for, I think it's like $10. And it's it's amazing. Him I doing it live it on stage. Oh, man. Was it wow, awesome? because he... he, he is, is it what? Oh, I was just asking Jay, is that an RSC production? Yeah, it's it, it's actually um, part of, I think it's part of that, but it's not at the um, the one that they had Once Upon, or Once Upon a Time, um, mm. Much Ado About Nothing at. It was at uh, a different theater, but they filmed it live, and it's just amazing. So. Oh, cool. Well, he has that, he has that wonderful, <laughs> deep, yeah, since, you know, it's like a stentorian voice that you you can tell he could if he opens up his 
he, you know, pulls, you know, pulls out the stops. He can really, you know, do a soliloquy and, you know, blow you away. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's one of my favorite act. I was, I was squeeing like a little 10 year old. When I heard, yeah. <laughs> when, he, when I found out that he was cast as the governor, I was very, very excited. Um, <laughs> so cool. Well, and I, I think we're getting ready to run out of time with, with you. Um, and I really want to thank you for being on the show. I, uh, first of all, but I have one last question. I'm going to give Ren a chance to ask one more too, but I wanted to know, cause I was looking at your Facebook page and I'm mm-hmm. curious, what kind of music do you listen to when you're writing? Oh God. I, I that, that that's a, a great question because I put a lot of thought into it and I have for 25 years ever since I, you know, I, I have 18 books in print and I've been doing this for, you know, most of my adult life and and every time I write a novel I create a a, a score for it. And um so, you know, I use um ambient music like Brian Eno and and you know, world music and um electronic music and nine inch nails and stuff like that for nice. certain things and uh, other things i i use um kind of um oddball you know choices like you know tangos and um polka music and stuff to <laughs> create like um like a like a counter you know um sort of contrasty, dark comedy feel to keep me in this weird tone that I'm working on. Now, now for The Walking Dead, um, I've, I've been using um, stuff by, um, like, goth, uh, like, maybe, you know, 80s and 90s, like, goth, like, like um, Owl House and, you know, Bella Lugosi's Dead and The Cure and you know, um, Morrissey and, and, um, Joy Division and Sushi and the Banshees and stuff. And I have no idea why, but, but <laughs> the last, <laughs> well, you know, I, the, I sort of goes into hand with the death thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I love how they, they are utilizing stuff like Tom Waits and, and, and I know that was, yeah, that was wonderful when she came to Tom Waits to, uh, to hold on. Yeah. That was incredible. I love they're, Waits. Yeah. They're doing some great stuff with the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack actually comes out tomorrow for the show and I'm really oh, excited. Cool. Yeah. Very so, cool. Ren, Very cool. Ren, did you have a uh, last question for um, uh, I was curious. You said you have kids. Are they old enough to watch this show or read your books? <laughs> um, yes, just barely. <laughs> they're they're twelve they? and four. They're twelve yeah. and fourteen. So, um, yeah. So the fourteen-year-old, my fourteen-year-old Joey, um, loves the book and 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 the both books he's read. And he loves the show. He just adores the show. But he's he's totally into, uh, you know, horror. And he loves, you know, Saw. And, um, you know, surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. And and he loves Insidious and Sinister. He loves all these post-meta, modern horror Mm -hmm. films. And, 
you know, he's very kind of a hipster 14 year old. Um, my 12, <laughs> my 12 year old still a little, you know, uh, freaked out by it. And so I kind of shield him from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he and sees all these the, like white zombie or something like that. Get him on the class. Right. That's a, <laughs> that's an, that's a excellent idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah. 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 Start I'll do, I'm going to do that. <laughs> that's a good idea. Do not send the therapy bill to me. <laughs> but uh, truly, I, that's how I always get kids hooked on, on horror stuff is I start them with universal. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the the Universal monster movies, you know, are are classics and and they're still, you know, to this day really wonderful. I mean, they have, you know, aged well. I mean, Dracula, you know, uh, Frankenstein and Bride especially. Oh, it's still totally. a brilliant film. Yeah. Oh, well, they actually kind yeah, of look like comic books to me. I mean, the the Absolutely. The, yeah. They're art. They look like art. They are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no no other things, unless it's like the walk, the Walking Dead, black and white. That what they're doing with that is so brilliant because it, mm-hmm. it, it homages those classic films, but it also brings the comic to life in that because the comic is a black and white comic, and yeah. it looks like it, and it's yeah. so brilliant. yeah yeah yeah. It translated so well. That's th- something Darabont was very good at with those episodes was making it look like that, um, yeah, and it I still agree. does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jay, I want to thank you again for joining us. This was awesome. I would love to have you back when the third book comes out or even before because you were great to talk to. Oh, it would be my pleasure. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Uh, We we loved it. I love picking the brains of people that I want to steal their talent. And that's what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm secretly doing that here. (laughs) uh, Okay, cool. Thank you again, and uh, thank you for making those books. They are amazing. I really, really love them. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you again, and good night. You. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this very Walking Dead-centric episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. Once again, I want to remind you, feel free to come out and say hi. Um, I will be at Horrorhound Weekend this weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, What color will your hair be this time? I have red hair with very, very blonde highlights. Okay, so look yes. for red hair, blonde highlights. It's different and this time. glasses. Glasses. They, they know what I look like. If they don't know what I look like from the <laughs> website, then God help them. But everyone knows if they, you just say, Jess, where's Jessica? They'll say, oh, she's over there. Um, but anyway, feel free to come out and say hi um, at the Sharonville Convention Center and in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I want to thank you again, Ren, for for uh, joining me on this crazy adventure that we've been taking. Um, and I want to thank you all for joining us, too. Uh, there will not be a new episode uh, the next week because I will be on vacation. But we will be back uh, the following week with uh, another episode of the Fangirl Radio. Uh, so once again, thank you. Uh, this is Jessica Dwyer and Ren. Say goodnight. <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you again.